Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. One of the pandemic's most immediate impacts on local business was to cancel countless conferences and in-person events. One of the largest ones locally was the annual Association of Mineral Explorations Roundup event. Now, this is no small function. Tens of thousands of people stream through the conference every year and participate in discussions. They do business, of course. So a loss of the conference actually turns out to be a bit of a loss of momentum in the sector, potentially. And of course, we know how important that sector is to the British Columbian economy. The AME Roundup, though, is coming back in January, and it's bound to discuss how the industry has dealt with the pandemic, among many other things. But I wanted to get an early bird view of this with Kendra Johnston. She's the president and CEO of the AME. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Kirk. It's a pleasure to be here. Right, uh, let's let's try to wind back your 20 months and try to understand what the impacts have been on on this sector. So start us off with with what you've seen. Yeah, you know the last 20 months have really been a challenge for everybody, regardless of the sector that they've worked in. We've we've all dealt with a lot of personal challenges and a lot of business challenges. So I think the one thing we've really seen is is a lot of compassion from everybody and a lot of understanding um, for our industry. Of course, health and safety is such a high priority. Um, it's top of mind for everybody all of the time. So putting in extra protocols for for health and safety, for hand washing, for sanitizing, all of those things, social distancing is just one extra layer. So I think people in our industry really adapted quite well to, to what that meant for, for us and being, being able to get out into the field. Uh, if we do roll back the full 20 months, um, we started off uh, COVID really being recognized as an essential service, which was a really fantastic thing for our industry. It allowed us to get out into the remote areas that we work in and continue the work that we do to make sure that not only our projects, but the mine sites in Vancouver as well, or sorry, in British Columbia as well, are all, we're also progressing. So uh, we were able to get out and the nature of the work that we do being so remote and often being up on a hilltop or down in a river valley with one or two other people is pretty much by definition socially distant. So uh, we were really quite lucky in that way to be able to get out and, and continue the work. And I think as as we've moved forward over these last uh, 20 months, as you say, it's uh, we've been able to keep progressing and and we have such a center of excellence of, of mineral exploration people here in Vancouver that I think people really got to stay close to home and work the projects right here in our own backyard. So it's actually been a, a relatively you know, challenging, but yet rewarding experience over the last 20 months for our industry. You mentioned uh, being declared an essential service and, and uh, how important that was. And when we talk now about some of the supply chain issues that are taking place worldwide, what do you think would have happened um, if, if the British Columbian uh, industry had been somehow shuttered uh, or heavily restricted, what would it have done to the supply chain worldwide in terms of commodities? Oh, I think there really would have been some some pretty big challenges. And, you know, British Columbia has such um, a reliance on, on natural resources, whether that's minerals and metals or forestry or agriculture. It's such a big component of, of a British Columbia economy that, uh, you know, it, it it really would have been a challenge for every community right across the province, um, First Nation communities as well as as municipalities. Uh, here in Mineral Exploration, we're one of the largest employers of First Nations across the province and across the country. Um, and so the the number of of jobs that are are rural versus versus urban are quite significant um, in both locations as well as the money flowing into each one each and every community across the province. You mentioned earlier some of the things, some of the adaptations 
of the industry in the early stages of COVID. Uh, can you see uh, starting to emerge now some of the some almost permanence to some of this change, some of the things that'll stick? Yeah, you know, through every challenge, we try to find some silver linings and some lessons that we can learn and, and progress and, and keep going forward. So um, interestingly, there were actually some new jobs created out of COVID um, from, an health, uh, sorry, from a health and safety perspective. Um, things like making sure the camps were fully sanitized and that uh, things like tools were, were sanitized, you know, before we pick up a, a rock hammer and it didn't matter who was using it before you, you just picked it up and, and used it when you needed it. So um, some of those sort of small changes within camp scenarios where we have people congregating, uh, I think are here to stay. I think some of the new jobs created just to keep everybody safe. You know, we, we all know over the years that colds and flus travel through camp scenarios pretty quickly. And, and I think we'll see with, with these new rules and the extra sanitizing sticking around and, and staying in place for years to come, hopefully that will uh, reduce the number of, of just general illnesses that we see in camp. Um, but I think some of the small things as well, traveling into camp, some of the extra um, safety measures when you're traveling through small communities, um, stopping to let people know that, that you're there and that you're coming through. Um, and then even, you know, in camps where we, we, share, we share tents and that kind of thing, you know, simple things in terms of social distancing in that space, hanging, draping, and and that type of activity, I think, are, are here to stay. It's so tough to generalize about something as large as, as, a, as a resource industry, of course. But when you take a look at the commodity prices, many commodity prices are actually doing very, very well during the pandemic. So give me a sense of the status of the wide-ranging industry and, and its, its overall uh, situation and how it's participating and contributing to the BC economy right now? Yeah, that's a really big question. But um, generally speaking, you're right. Commodity prices have stayed strong. This time last year, we saw a huge boom in, in copper and gold prices. And that really helped a lot of the junior companies finance and get the dollars that they needed to have a really big year this year. Uh, last year in 2020, we saw approximately a million uh, meters of drill core drilled in British Columbia. This year, wow. we're on track for about a million and a half. So that comes from that financing that was done last year on those really high commodity prices. And I think it also speaks to the, the fact that people are staying close to home and feeling comfortable traveling within the province to get out and, and do some of that work. So some really big numbers, I think, that we'll see once we get the, the full numbers tallied at the end of the year. Um, and hopefully be able to announce those numbers out at Roundup. But um, yeah, I think we, we've seen some really interesting things happen with commodity prices across the board. You know, you look at, at the prices of lumber going up and down and like it's been a bit of a ping pong in the last, uh, I don't know, six months or so. Um, you look at the prices of coal and of, of um, oil and gas right now, again, coming back. So I think that's all all a really good and positive sign coming out of COVID, seeing people getting back to normal, into normal routines. Um and, and picking back up and getting out to, to their projects and continuing to work. This is, a, of course, a, as much of a technology industry as it is a resource industry now because of the, the, the ways in which uh, technology has been applied in order, to, uh, in order to bring our resources to market and all of this. Have, have you seen any extra innovation during this time? Oh, interesting. There is always a large amount of research and development that happens, especially in times like this, where it's maybe a little bit quieter on, on sort of the 
the work front, getting out into projects, there's always some work that's happening um, and building at the university level, some new research happening and, uh, and like you say, some new technology happening. So we are starting to see um, more adoption, I would say, of some of the technology that's been created over the last couple of years, some of the um, virtual reality technology, some of the artificial uh, learning and machine learning type um, type activity being implemented, using that to, to target new areas, to vector in on, on possible new finds. Um, and we're starting to see some, some success with those things. So uh, I think that's a really exciting um, movement that we're going to see going forward. Uh, we're also seeing an increased use of um, of drones flying around, both just to take aerial photos, looking for outcrops, saving hundreds of hours of, of people time walking through the bush looking for them. Um, and again, being able to be strong enough to carry instruments on the drones so that we can get, we can survey land and, and get an idea of, uh, of actually the mineral chemistry that's out there. Um, so some really exciting things happening in that sense. In terms of um, environmental impact and the mitigation of it, um, it felt like a few years ago that when companies were, were trying to do this, that they were really up against some pretty formidable costs as an entry point. They were going to have to make very large investments. Um, I want to understand from you whether you think the actual climate for that has changed in terms of government assistance and other types of incentives so that now there's a bit more of a wind at the back of companies that are really going into this area and and mitigating some of their environmental impact of resource development. Yeah, so I think over the last uh, two years specifically, but but really for quite a while before that, we've seen this pretty solid theme emerge of, of ESG, environment, social and governance. And with that comes a really strong movement on the environmental side uh, and an expectation from not only the public, but from the financial sector as well, who's really looking at companies who are doing these things really well and valuing that. And so companies are now needing to not only be able to, to do the geology really well and get the results, prove the economics of it, they have to, they're being measured on the environmental and the social and the governance aspects of the work that they're doing. So, you know, that's really no different than five or 10 years ago, but you're right, the wind is there, the the energy is there, and the financial markets are, are looking at those things and asking those questions now. So there is an added uh, element there, an added sense of attention uh, to really talk about and, and promote the environmental work that's going on and the social work that's going on. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really positive thing for our industry. It, it certainly helps to increase public perception of the work that we're doing and the importance that, that we put on the environment. Um, you know, as a geologist, as an exploration geologist myself, mm-hmm. most of us go into this field because we really love walking around in the environment on hilltops, going for hikes out in the middle of nowhere. And that's what draws us to exploration. It's it's that the beauty of the wildlife around us. And so nobody wants to see that ruined. We're all, you know, quite passionate about the land and, and maintaining it uh, in its natural sense and, you know, leaving no trace behind however we can. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a wind and a movement happening there. Um, it would be too broad a question to ask what the industry has generally learned from the pandemic, but I'll ask you specifically, Kendra, what have you generally learned from the pandemic? Well, so many things. Um, the importance of checking in with everybody, with all of my team members here at the office, with all of my uh, board members, with the members at large, uh, with the general community, um, just making sure that everybody is is feeling okay and, and you know, 
comfortable in the space that they're in and, you know, having those conversations that were sometimes really difficult to have. And people are a little bit more open about it now. Uh, technology, I've learned so much. I mean, we think about 20 months ago and Zoom was not really a thing. So just the, you know, the energy that we've all put towards being able to work remotely and the connection, uh, we've moved so far in that space. And um, even from a health and safety perspective, there's there's been so many small lessons that have been learned that when you put them all together are, are really quite substantial. And and I think for us, one of the, the biggest and most positive things going forward is we'll get through COVID and it will become hopefully a thing of the past, but what will never become a thing of the past is the communicable disease plans and how we're right. going to deal with general illness in camp and office situations um, and some of those policies and, and procedures. So uh, I think that's a really positive thing to come out of this. So uh, in reviving uh, Roundup, uh, there's, you know, there's obviously some apprehension that still exists in the public about coming to big conferences and and you know swirling around and sitting down and and you know uh, and all of this. Uh, uh, give me a sense of what you're planning to do with this in order to make sure that it's the uh, it's the right reentry point for people. For sure. So first off, we are so excited to be launching this conference back in live and to welcome everybody back into the convention center. Uh, we've had lots of fantastic chats at the convention center as well, and they are so thrilled to to have this conference back and be moving forward in person. Um, but yes, health and safety is a top priority and, and absolutely will be at the conference. So uh, here in BC, of course, we have vaccine passports. They are mandatory to get into conferences. So you will have to show your vaccine passport for setup for conference and for teardown. Um, and that will be everybody. So everybody who's through those, those doors will have uh, will be double vaccinated. Um, we'll also, of course, have masking in place. Uh, there will be distancing of chairs in the technical sessions. You'll be slightly wider mm -hmm. apart than normal. Um, there'll be less people at our seated lunches and dinner, so slightly fewer people around the tables. Um, and then we'll be able to walk through the trade show, but things will be spaced just a little bit more than, than they usually are. Um, but I was actually down at the convention center at another show on the weekend just to see how they'd set it up and how it was all working. And it felt incredibly um, safe and comfortable to be in. And I wasn't sure I was going to feel that way. So uh, that was really, really great for me to experience. And I'm, I'm really excited to pass that on to everybody else and, and hope that they do feel comfortable coming. We'll also have the option to do a rapid test uh, on site if, uh, if people feel that they would like to have one if they, you know, have a small sniffle or something and want to make sure that they're that they're not sick before they come in, uh, they will have that option. Yeah. What are you hearing from from members and from people who will be delegates there in terms of their own expectation about this and and uh, uh, and also uh, and, and I mean that also in a positive sense about their excitement about getting back together? Yeah, more than anything, we're hearing excitement. We're hearing that people are are just looking so looking forward to connecting, um, seeing one another again, and and having all of that information, all that geological information, all the environmental and the social information around us, uh, to really sort of reemerge back into that space. You know, our, our theme this year is engage, connect, evolve. And I think that's what it's really all about. People are, are really excited to engage with that material again, reconnect their colleagues that they haven't seen in person for a year and a half. Uh, and it'll be almost two years by that point. Um, and to evolve into whatever the next phase of this industry really is going to be all about. So um, more than anything, we're hearing excitement. And I think, you know, there's the expectation that we're going to provide a, a safe site to be able to do that. And that's 
fully what we intend to do. Well, let's cross our fingers, make sure nothing happens in the meantime, but it sounds like you're on the right track with this and it's gonna be an exciting time. This is of course, such a vital conference for our overall province and its economy. So uh, welcome back, I guess. Thank you, we're looking forward to it and uh, we'll hope to see you there. Kendra Johnston is the president and CEO of the AME. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.